Hello guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's Not The Top 20 podcast. It's a special edition. You will have seen, no doubt, the title of the podcast and it's not misleading. This is an EFL player takeover of Not The Top 20 podcast. Now, sadly, George, not very well today, so not involved in the recording, but you will unfortunately still hear my voice. But that's only really to tease some good information, some good opinions, some thoughts, some hopes, some objectives out of five EFL players. Uh, We're going to start with Jed Wallace. We're going to go in order of league position here. Jed kicks us off of Millwall, of course, one of the league's standout attacking talents. Then Lyle Taylor of Charlton, fresh off a match-winning display against Luton on the weekend. He joins us to talk about plenty of different topics. Dan Barlasser, who is at the heart of Rotherham's midfield, they are at the top of League One, chats us through what makes them so good. Ben Whiteman, captain of Doncaster, the man who's made the most passes in League One. He is a busy man on the pitch for Donny and he talks us through his thoughts on League One and on Donny's season. And then Leon Legg as well plays for Port Vale, the captain of Port Vale. He's played every single minute at the heart of their defence and he's got plenty to discuss as well, including his experiences with living with epilepsy and the blog that he's currently writing to share uh, his story and to raise awareness. It's been so cool putting this together this afternoon. We thought the Monday pod just needed a little shake-up, a little mix-up. So for this week, it's an EFL player takeover. The time codes for the specific guys are in the description of the podcast if you want to listen to them in a different order. Lastly, please understand that these guys were a few of them driving home from training, some of them at home, all of the interviews done over the phone. And as you guys know, sometimes that means connections are less good than others. But I'm pretty confident that you'll be able to hear every word and enjoy the EFL player takeover of Not The Top 20 pod. Got Millwall's Jed Wallace on the line as he drives back from Monday training. Good afternoon, Jed. Afternoon, how are we doing? We're doing very well. I wanted to get your thoughts on Millwall's season, your season individually, and then a bit of championship chat outside of that. Uh, In terms of the club and the team, a a slow start to the season saw a change of manager. You went on a really good run, losing one in 13, and, and, and now it's one win in the last six. Seven points off the playoffs. I want to know, where do you think Millwall are at at the moment with 12 games left of the season? Uh, yeah, I think, obviously, like you said, um, with Neil in charge before, um, we were probably playing a very different style to what we're playing now since the new manager's come in. Uh, for us at the moment, I think it's just keep improving. And over the last sort of 23, 24 games since the new manager's come on, I think we'll be fifth or sixth in the league, um, which is obviously good. So we're certainly improving. It's definitely a change of style, uh, more possession-based football, uh, looking to hit teams on the counter-attack. Uh, whereas, obviously, traditionally before, we were very much a bit more direct, um, which is what we had our, a lot of our success from before, obviously, with the likes of Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison. But we had a big sort of changeover in players uh, in the summer. We've had a lot of new players come in. Um, we've had a successful season up until this point, And if we could achieve something... Amazing, that would be great. Um, and if not, we just want to keep pushing towards the top 10 and trying to cement ourselves amongst the other big clubs, probably bigger clubs than Millwall that look like they're going to be in that top 10. 
How, how's the change in style suited your game uh, personally? You obviously, for the last few years, have, have been a, a really key part of Millwall's uh, attack, especially. Uh, but as you say, a change in shape, a, a bit of a removal of what you were doing before. What's that meant for for you personally? M more touches of the ball? Yeah, um, to be honest, I couldn't say a bad word about Neil Harris. Uh, he was a person that sort of revived my career as such. Uh, when I was sat in the freezer at Wolves, he was the one that believed in me and signed me alone three, three times and then signed me permanently. Um, so he's sort of a person that I found back and really gave me that opportunity week in, week out of championship football. Um, before, obviously, we hit a lot of crossing the box, a lot of set plays, uh, whereas now, change of formation, we're playing a lot more like 5-2-3, uh, which gets me higher up near the opposition goal, which is um, where I want to be, really. A bit uh, less defensive responsibility as well for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I certainly run faster towards the opposition goal than I, I run faster back, I think it's safe to say that. Um, so, no, I've enjoyed it. Um, and I think myself with uh, Marlon Romeo behind me, I certainly feel like we're very strong down that side of the pitch. And I think you've seen that uh, this year. We've, we've created a lot of chances and with people like Tom Bradshaw and Matt Smith in the box. Um, we're, we're always going to score goals. Probably not scored as many as we'd like. Um, games like last week, Preston, we won 1-0. Well, we could have certainly won by two or three more. Probably that will be our downfall. Ultimately, if we don't get into the top six, it'll probably just be that little bit of lack of clinical edge at times. Um, but we've certainly done well and I think shows the difficulty in the championship we went away to Preston last week and won and then we went to Wigan and didn't deserve anything from the game so it's, if you do show any bit of consistency I think you're going to be up there so that's the challenge for us really. In terms of your individual season uh, we, we we exchanged a message or two on Twitter the other day when I noticed that you're one assist away from what we call a double-double double-figure goals double-figures assists as well uh, I think at that point and maybe still it's just Messi and Sancho who have uh, done that in Europe at the moment and we're having a laugh about that. But, I mean, you're absolutely in every conversation now about the, the best attacking players in the championship, which may be to a greater extent than last season. Do, do you feel like you've taken a leap this season, improved to, to get to, to that top tier of championship attacking players? Or were we maybe just not watching close enough last season? Because I know sometimes players think, well, I've actually been at this level, at this level for a while now, but maybe haven't had the focus on me. No, I think uh, you're right what you say. I think um, last year, what I've learned is when the team doesn't do well, it's very hard for individuals uh, to get to get personal accolades. And I think last year we struggled. Obviously, the year we came up, we finished eighth. And there was a lot of talk around a lot of the players. Uh, and I think a lot of them have gone under the radar. Um, for myself, obviously, the assist one is always a difficult one because you can go past three people, cross it to someone, and they miss a header from a yard. Or <laughs> I have one at Birmingham where I passed it to Sean Williams simple five-yard pass and he fits in the top corner from 35 yards so these it's more about just consistently creating chances um, for, for attacking players and, and myself certainly look at improving my own product and I think this year I've definitely done that and I always with my with my pace and stuff I've always got myself in a position it's just improving my own product and I've done that this year and I think I think people now where we're playing maybe a bit more attractive football they're starting to realize what good players we do have mm -hmm. I mean I me personally, I look up and down at the division. I don't see many better Arsenal, better centre Arsenal, Sean Hutchison and Jay Cooper. Um, two, the same I can say with Marlon at right back. Um, obviously, now we've signed Ryan Woods, and everyone knows what a good midfielder he's been at this level for the last four or five years. So I think, uh, and also Bartos uh, Biakowski in goal for us. He's probably been our player of the season. He's been, he's been incredible, to be honest. So I think people are starting to take note now. Where sort of for two or three years we've been in and around that top ten. 
and realising what, what a lot of good players in Millwall do actually have. Yeah, a lot of the attacking play uh, does come down your side. You've got a very high usage rate, to use a, another basketball term. It's something that we talk about a bit on the pod, how in the first half of seasons, when you play teams for the first time, quite often everyone will just play their own system, their own style. And it's the second half of the season where you've got... You've got memory of that first game. You've got a bit more video to look at from various teams. You can maybe do a bit more preparation and, and react to the opposition. As an attacking player and such a key attacking player, have you found that teams are defending you at all differently or, or dealing with you personally a bit differently in the second half of the season, maybe if you've hurt them in the first game? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that was actually a conversation that we had with the manager today. At training, we had a meeting and he was saying, how Paul Cook was saying to him that, he realised what a good counter-attacking team that we are, one of the best in the division, so they really didn't commit many plays forward. Um, they didn't want to give us that space in the transition. Um, I think ultimately it's playing to your strengths. I mean, teams can work all week against us defending set plays, for example, and if we get the right delivery and you've got six foot seven Cooper and six foot six Matt Smith, you can, do, you can do what you want on the training ground. If they come over the top of you and edit in, it's, it's difficult to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I think back to Sheffield United last season, I mean, we worked so hard on stopping them overloading you out wide but it works for the first 10 minutes and then ultimately they're so good at it that over a course of a 90 minute game that ultimately a lot of the time they are going to come out on top i think um you've seen that probably only with leeds and west brom over the course of the season for me them two are out on a limb and then everyone else that we played against including the likes of wigan um huddersfield and charlotte there really isn't much between a lot of the teams and i think when you do see certain teams look at Blackburn at the moment and you have a player like Armstrong obviously who's in unbelievable form and they keep a few, a few clean sheets and they do they do fly up the table so it's, it's very very tight this season and I think uh, I was listening to the, the Blackburn manager's interview before the game on the weekend and he, he very much summed it up and sort of said every game you look at there's barely anything in it and it's just a few saves or a few good finishes away from being being 12th or being 18th mm. or being 5th uh, this season, it, it does seem a lot tighter than it did normally, to be honest. West Brom with a nine-point gap to third and, and Leeds with five. You, you mentioned there you think they're out on a limb, co confident that they will be the top two at the end of the season? Yeah, I think so. Certainly, obviously, I can only judge it. I like to judge it off what I've seen when we've played against them. Um, Brentford at Griffin Park is the standout, hardest fixture in the league. I mean, it's a running joke amongst most change rooms. I think that everyone's happy they're moving stadium because it just feels so hard to play there, to be honest with you. Uh, you so just, it's, and it's not just the uh, the team and the style, right? But the stadium itself. It's just everything. It's just everything, it's just everything about it, Ali. They just something that you just never feel like you're going to win there. Uh, it's always a difficult, different. It, they've got so much movement, so many players that can score it always feels like such a different game when we play them there to when we play them at home. I always fancy us when we play them at home. Um, but when we go, you look at that game at the start of the season, you think that's going to be tough. Um, mm. Always the one that stands out. And then I think Leeds and West Brom, from what I've played against this season, for me, they're the two standout teams. Um, and I've, in this league, 10 days is so big. I mean, you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said that Fulham looked like they might sneak in there. Now, all of a sudden, they, they draw a couple and lose one at home. And it's like... They're now quite a way away from it, so it can, it can change so quick. And obviously now we've got we look a little bit away from the playoffs now, but with two home games and one of them being against Bristol City, um, if we win both, we give ourselves right back in the picture. 
you must so roll, can just check in in a week. You must roll your eyes when you think about, you know, the, the, the likes of George and I and other people in the media who are covering these leagues each week and, and either sticking our neck out and making predictions or being asked for our thoughts. I mean, there's really yeah. no point, is there? There's no point. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, it's hard enough to keep up with a championship, let alone when I see you guys. I'm trying to keep up with my old team, Portsmouth. They yeah. win nine out of ten and they're fifth and then they lose one and they're back down to eighth. So I, I don't know what's going on with you, to be honest. I mean, league, top of League One is even worse than the championship. I mean, the top eight you just keep winning every week and it's just... It's Oxford. Oxford looks... That's close friends with... Um, James Henry, so I speak to him three games ago and they look dead and buried and then you win two in a row there, right back in it now if they win a game in hand and it's it's exciting, it's, it's what you want. Um, to, to know if you do win three games in a row, you're going to be right in and amongst the prior places. That's what you want as a player and it keeps it open until the end of the season really. You spoke earlier that you know you, there's a, there is a chance of Millwall maybe putting together a miracle finish to the season, getting into the playoffs, uh, but not necessarily something to be expected, something to work towards. Uh, certainly one key objective, I imagine, uh, for Millwall was avoiding any sort of relegation battle because that can sap a lot of energy out of uh, out of a group of players. Uh, and it looks like that is the case. Uh, I won't make you say it, but 15 points above the relegation zone with 12 games to go. Having said that, you've just played uh, Wigan, lost 1-0. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, it's kind of an extension of what you were just saying about there being so little between all of the teams in the league. It strikes me that at different times, Luton, Barnsley and Wigan, like these aren't disastrous teams who are just nailed on relegation, who get battered every game and clearly at a massive disadvantage. It, It feels like a lot of the time, you know, if they turn up, they're a match for anyone else in the division as well. Is, is, is that something that you feel that there isn't really, there isn't really a, a team down there that's just sort of the whipping boys? No, certainly not. I mean, Barnsley especially, they're, they're a funny, difficult team to play against really because their weakness is kind of their strength. You, you watch them on a video and you see how they look open at the back and you think, oh yeah, but then if you commit too many forwards, they're just so gung-ho with the way they attack that they can obviously catch cold You've seen with uh, obviously Brown, Woodrow, and Connor Chaplin, who I played with at Portsmouth. They've got three players there that, that can really make a difference. Um, I think they're right up there in terms of goals and assists. I think them three do really well. So to be where they are, it, it's just a mad league, really. Like they went to Fulham, they won 3 0. And that, it doesn't surprise you, really. I think Wigan, we've had two difficult games against them. Uh, we drew two all at home. And we lost, obviously, 1 0 on the weekend. And again, they're another team that. Compared to us, they spent probably nearly seven million pounds on Keith Moore and Jamal Lowe. Where for us, I mean, our probably our biggest summer signing was I think Conor Mahoney for like one point two million. Mm-hmm. So it does it fits into how how close it is really, and how one player hitting a bit of form can really change a team's fortunes. And um, Keith Moore, obviously, I'll be honest with you, he was a real handful on the weekend. I think they've gone a little bit direct up to him and gone from there, and obviously. Set plays are a threat with the likes of uh, Kipri and Dunkley. So I actually fancy them to pull away from it. I'm not going to tell you who I think is going to go down. Okay. Or brave enough to say, but I, I don't think Wigan will go down. I think they'll have enough. Um, and then obviously, what these these, these two in Luton and Barnsley they don't have is they don't have the pressure of the likes of Huddersfield and Middlesbrough, where they're such big clubs and players will be feeling that pressure where they feel they can't get relegated, um, which almost works in, in your favour sometimes when you feel like everyone's against you and you, you create that mentality of it's us against the world and sometimes that can, that can work in your favour and I think you've seen that with certainly with Luton um, in the last three or four games they've had a right go really 
obviously we've uh, we've blown a lot of smoke up your backside here, Jed. But uh, there's plenty of talented players <laughs> in the championship. You've come up, or you've played most of the games this season, so you must have played almost everyone. Any players that are standing out uh, when you're on the pitch, coming up an opponent and just thinking, yes, this lad is different gravy? Uh, yeah, it's probably, I would have said last year, if you asked me that, I would have said Grealish, and then there's always talk amongst the lads after we come in this year. I mean, when we played QPR, I thought Eze was unbelievable, to be honest with you. Just the way, the way he protects the ball, is you don't really want to go near him in case you end up on a on a Twitter video with like five thousand retweets, you're getting nutmeg somewhere. So I try to <laughs> I try to stay away from him um, if I can. And then I'd probably say him. And as a wide, wide players, I, I think Joe Lolly, the best one we've come up against this year, come on for twenty five minutes. Certainly, when I watch Forest, I think if he gets going, then he's a he's a tough one to tough one to stop for sure. Any left backs you've come up against who have you know, just being solid, stopped you from going round the outside, stopped you each time? Uh, yeah, probably actually, I'm more worried about how much you're going to run forward because I don't really <laughs> want to follow him after time. So probably on that basis, I'd probably say Joe Bryan at Fulham was uh, certainly since last time I played against him, he's, he's definitely improved um, on the back of being at Fulham for 18 months. He was bombing forward. And obviously with Mitrovic, is that good. You just kick it in the box. like he just finishes it. Uh, I think he, he's that good. You, if you bit Mitrovic in any team in the top 12, they're pretty much guaranteed to get in the top six. So I'd probably say him and Eze are the two that this season we played against and certainly stand out. I think. Does it feel like there's more a more varied uh, group of styles in the league this season? It, it strikes me that week to week or sometimes twice within a week, you might come up against a counter-attacking team playing 5-4-1. You might come up against a possession team playing 4-2-3-1 and then another direct team playing 4-4-2 is, is that something that you notice is there a particular system that you fancy yourself up against just just in terms of your experience so far yeah well I always think if we play a possession based team at a den it's always a great opportunity for us uh, when I think back to the likes of the season we played Fulham recently uh, should have been 2-3-1 up at half time uh, Brentford we beat at home uh, Leeds we beat at home so the teams that play obviously we've got Swansea and Bristol City coming up that we've already beat away we've got them coming up in a den and our, our pitch um, the grounds are won't thank me for saying it but our pitch is absolutely horrendous uh, so that's sort of working in our favour when these teams have a way of playing uh, Reading come to the den and insisted on playing out which is which is great but it's just so difficult to do on our pitch I think and um, the likes of Jason Malumbi in midfield, uh, myself and brothers, we do work hard and it does give you an opportunity to win the ball back high at the pitch. You can certainly, I think we scored from tackling Brentford's goalkeeper and actually getting the rebound. So um, it wasn't the prettiest of goals, but it does help. And I think I think this year what I've have noticed is even the so-called middle table teams, they've had two or three outstanding players, uh, which at this level, when you play against any team, this season more so than ever, they've had one or two players that can really hurt you. And like I say, where it is such a tight division, it's their moments of quality, really, that have um, made a difference. And uh, it's been quite clear this season, Jed, you've been working on your knuckleball Cristiano Ronaldo free kicks as well, although it didn't quite work on the weekend. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly yeah, a couple of things. The Cardiff one was a bit, of a, a bit of a weird one, really. Tough. I felt like I was going to cross it until the last minute and then just kick it towards the goal and it went in the top corner so I think if I actually tried to aim for that top corner it probably would have gone wide but no, it's been, uh, yeah it's been good missed my last penalty so 
I'm looking uh, looking forward to getting another penalty really so I can try and get that one away and, and get that off my mind. Um, try and make amends. Saw Gallagher play a great one in the weekend. Um, don't think I don't think I've got the composure to do the the, the Lyle Taylor technique. So I think. Everyone takes them out how they feel comfortable, but I don't think I'll be taking it like that, that's for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and just lastly, your personal goals between now and the rest of the season, uh, and also uh, when the summer is concerned as well, it feels like you're, you're uber-focused during the season, but there, there will be naturally a lot of transfer speculation and, and probably more speculation on your future than, than you might have had in, in recent summers. What are your goals, I guess, uh, in the next few months? Yeah, for me, it's just to keep improving, really. Um, it's been a challenge to sort of learn different roles under a new manager. And to be honest, I've really enjoyed playing in a, in a front three where I felt like I'm much closer to the goal. Um, that's been something where I feel like I'm one pass away from always getting in, where at times previously I felt a lot of our successes had to be dribbling the ball 60, 70 yards at the pitch, where I feel like now I've run the shoulder of the defenders and I can get in, uh, in behind, which I've really enjoyed. Um, just, just working with the manager really, like since he's come in, I feel like I've improved and if I can keep doing that um, going into next season, I feel like we can definitely build at this level. Um, for a club of middle size, it's always going to be about trying to maintain at this level. Um, but I certainly, I look at teams like uh, Bristol City and even Sheffield United, I know they're, that one's a bit of a bigger club, but what they've achieved um, on probably with a humble squad and, and a humble manager uh, like what we've got now, I think anything's really possible. So for us to go into next season, keep improving under the manager we've got now, um, I think we can be anywhere and, and hopefully I'll just keep improving and enjoying my football like I am at Mill. Love that. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time this afternoon. Definitely be calling you up for a bit more punditry in the future, mate. Cheers, Ali. Thanks very much, mate. Right. We are joined by Lyle Taylor. A good time to be joined by Lyle Taylor. Match-winning performance put in on the weekend against Luton. Afternoon, Lyle. I can imagine it is always quite a pleasant few days after a game like you had against Luton on, on Saturday. It was, a, it was a lively game. It was a lively performance from yourself. Do you enjoy those ones? Um, yeah. I mean, look, at some point, I think some opposition fans are going to realise that winding me up isn't a good idea. Um, but I can't see that being any time soon. Um, the Barnsley fans were similar, and uh, it, it came back and bit them in the backside. So, I mean, it, it seems to be something that works for me and, and something I thrive off of. So, yeah, never a dull day in, in, in my life, unfortunately. Talk me through your first goal. I mean, the the, the pass was the pass was decent. It was a little bit behind me. Um, whether it was a gust of wind or what, I'm, I'm not too sure. But the only way it seemed that I could get the ball back where I wanted it was to kind of try and flick it with the, the outside of my boot. And the first touch came off, the second touch came off, and it just sat up perfect to hit. A um, little bit of luck through the defender's legs and, and just passed out past the, the keeper's outstretched arm. It was, it was a, a nice one. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever scored a bad goal, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Fair enough. Well, let's talk penalties then. I imagine this is a, a pretty regular topic of questioning that you get because the the style of your penalty taking is different to the rest of the league. It was a good weekend for Pens in the Championship because you had a Gallagher special for Preston, a Rooney Penenka, uh, and then a, a Lyle Taylor. I'm not sure what we're calling it, but how, how long have you been doing that for? Um, it's been... It's been a year now, maybe a little bit longer than that. 
Um, I, I sat down with with the goalkeeper with with Dylan Phillips and uh, Andy Marshall last year, and I'd missed two out of five. I think it was at the time, um, taking them. I suppose the the conventional way. Mm. And uh, I, I said to them, I said, "There's got to be a way for me to slow this down and be more accurate." So we started slowing it down, and it, it meant I was able to be more accurate and find the top corners rather than. Um, with a little bit less power, rather than uh, than something that's comfortable for the goalkeepers to to save, and then it kind of developed from there into if I slow it down even more, the goalkeeper can't gamble, mm. and if the goalkeeper can't gamble, then the likelihood is is if I put it in the corners, he's not going to save it. It's kind of gone from that to if I watch the goalkeeper, I can see where he's going to go, mm. and I can I can go off of that accordingly so so the thought process is if they make a move you are moving slow enough that you can adjust where you exactly. put the ball and if they don't move then well it's kind of too late by the time that you've struck it exactly um now when i miss one which it's highly likely i will <laughs> um i'm gonna look like an absolute idiot but um, I think the fact of the matter is, is that it's it's been successful uh, for I don't know how many it is I've taken like that now. I think it's more than ten. Um, so I'm not going to change that, even if that does come to pass. Uh, it's it's something I'm going to stick with, and and I've I'll hang my hat on it. Quite often, your uh, run up, or I suppose walking back to the top of your run up, takes you uh, in and around some of the opposition players. On the weekend, it looked it looked like there were. <laughs> Uh, a, a couple of uh, verbals exchanged uh, on the weekend. What was that chat about, and what have you had said to you that's made you laugh the most so far? Because ultimately, you're scoring each time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's generally the same thing every time. We know where you're going. You go right. You go left. Right. He's watched all your penalties. Um, there's been times where I can't remember. There was a conversation I had with someone. I said, "How can you know where I'm going? I don't know where I'm going yet." Because <laughs> And I'll, I'll quote this. I said, the idiot hasn't even dived the wrong way yet. <laughs> and and that kind of got a chuckle. But Saturday, it was it was, um, it was was the lad Berry. And he, he said to me, he said, you go right every time. We know exactly where you're going. Don't miss. You need to go left. You better go left because if you go right, he's going to save it. <laughs> and I'm stood there just laughing going, oh, I don't know where I'm going to go yet. I haven't worked it out. Um, um, but, you, I mean... In fairness, I can imagine it's not out the realms of possibility that if you were, you know, if it was a penalty for the opposition and you had the chance to say something to a penalty taker, you'd probably take that as well. You, you used the phrase uh, shithousery in an Instagram post uh, <laughs> on, off, off the back of this game. Is that is it fair to say that you enjoy that sort of uh, that sort of back and forth? Yeah, look, it, it's it's one of those things that. It's just part of the game now. Um, the the Luton fans were giving me all sorts of abuse um, because of a, a free kick that they said that I'd bought. Basically, um, they weren't best pleased with with what they saw as a dive. Um, so they started giving me abuse, and then I had a little bit. Um, I had a little bit with one of their players who would grab me. So. I pushed him, he pushed me, referees pulled us, but it's right in front of the Luton fans. So they started giving me a little bit of stick for that. And then five minutes later, the ball's in the back of their net and, and I'm the one that's put it there. So that was that was the reason for the celebration. It was uh, it was uh, a bit 
a bit back at you because football fans are very, very quick to give give footballers abuse, mm. and it's it's nice to be able to give a little bit back now. It does go a lot further than that because then you get the idiots that take it to social media and it goes too far. Mm. Um, I think at the weekend I was I was threatened to be stabbed um, by a Luton fan because of doing my job. I mean, that's embarrassing. Really, is embarrassing. Is that something that that you feel that you're having to cope with too often? Oh, way too often. It's every week. Every week I get called every name under the sun. It's not necessarily racist. Um, I have had that, and I do get that. But it's it, it's just ridiculous. Now, all of a sudden, I watched a, an interview, um, and um, in the interview, what was said was people now think that, and it was it was about celebrities, so it wasn't about footballers in general. Mm. It was about celebrities. It's now we live in a world where it is we are now so easily accessible. And people feel like they know us well enough yeah. as people in the public eye that they can just pass judgment. Mm. Now, passing judgment used to be standing around the kitchen saying, oh, I don't like this person, I don't like that person. But now, passing judgment is saying things that actually do affect people. And yeah. we've seen that recently. They do These things do affect people. Um, but we now live in a world where I don't think people really care too much about the effects that they have on others. It's more about the limelight and their their two minutes of, of fame. There's got to be things to be done to try and wrestle back control, I suppose, of the situation, which is clearly getting so out of control. If you don't mind, we'll move on to your individual season so far. Uh, an injury hit season, a couple of what looked like really awkward ones uh, at different times. But... Very much back in business now, and a nice stat that we saw this morning. Best minutes per goal average uh, of anyone in the championship with over 10 goals or more. Is this your, your peak at the moment? Because it's the, it's the first time you've played at championship level as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it is the first time I've played at the level. Um, for me, I'd like to think I was getting better the older I've got. I think it's it's something with strikers you, you learn you learn how to score goals. Mm. Um, the, the the more you play, the more games you play, I think the better you become. And I'd like to think that that was, was true of, of my um, development curve, let's call it. Um, I'm lucky enough to be afforded half-decent chances. Um, yeah. And then it's down to me to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, outside of that, is there anything that I'm doing now that I wasn't doing last year the year before no i wouldn't say there was i think it's it's just a simple simple fact of knowing how to put the ball in the back of the net and yeah. and i'd like to think at some point it might be something that i can pass on to to younger players yeah. uh come the come the end of my career but that definitely won't be as a, a manager or assistant manager it'll be more of a specialized coaching role if if i can find one because I'm, I'm not sure the, the rest of football is really for me. <laughs> well, I mean, plenty of time before you've got to start really seriously considering that. Um, in terms of Charlton this season, a lot of change really since the minute that you won the playoff final. Uh, and that's often the case for, for playoff winners because you've got less time to get ready for the season. But also the nature of the squad. Uh, a lot of players who were key to that promotion leaving, uh, a lot of others coming in, a lot of injuries... 
bit more churn in January and new owners just to, to top it all off an ownership change which has breathed new life into the club it's uh it's not been a dull season for Charlton has it no it's it's been a, a, a proper roller coaster journey um but do you know what we we seem and I, I say this touching wood we seem to be out the other side of the injury problems that we've had um and I think as long as we can keep the majority of our squad fit. I think we we stand a very very good chance of, of having a strong finish to the season, and and ultimately that's all anyone wants to see. Our fans and and the boys in the dressing room is bodies that we have um, out on the training field and not in the physio room, and and the ability to uh, uh, for those bodies to produce come Saturday or Tuesday or whenever the games are. Um, so ultimately, the, the the aim is now to gain as many points as we can and, and to finish as high as we possibly can once survival, whatever that target is, 50 points or 48 points, is achieved. So mm. we we do have a list of targets and, and the first target is to, to hit, I, th- I think it's 50 points. Um, I think only once in the last 50 or 60 years has a team gone down yeah, with 50 points. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah. so that has to be the, the first target. And then from there, we, we will see, hopefully, with a few games left or however many games are left, if, how high we can possibly finish up the table. But the goal first is to stay in this league. And, and that has to be what then the, the new ownership can build on um, and, and moving the club forward. And crucial, crucial home wins against Barnsley uh, and against Luton in the last few weeks. Both games you've been on the score sheet for. There's there's plenty of other games coming up against teams in and around it, shall we say, with, with Huddersfield away, uh, Middlesbrough at home, and then a couple of teams in Hull and QPR who have been sort of dropping a little bit as, as well this season. But, I mean, it's quite a especially with some of those teams in the bottom three picking up more points over the last few weeks, it feels like quite a brutal relegation battle. Are you quite happy to be the hunted rather than the hunters? Um, to be honest, I'd rather be West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd much rather be West Brom. Um, but no, look, I, I dealt with relegation or potential relegation um, with Wimbledon before and it's nice to have it in your hands. Um, but it just seems like every time we win, three below us win as well. Um, but their backs are against the walls the same way ours are, really, and they need to pick up points the same way we need to pick up points. So this is only to be expected. And, and Barnsley going away and beating Fulham 3-0, um, if I'm completely honest, they were unlucky to get nothing out of the game where we played them. Mm. Um so it's not going to be easy. I mean, we It does over the feel next... like even the bottom teams... They aren't really poor teams. Like sometimes, no. sometimes in a season, there's two teams who are just kind of gone almost as soon as the season starts, and you can predict it. And they're always sort of second best in games because they're the worst teams in the league. But the worst teams in the league this year, they've got big performances in them, and they've all got threats as well. Exactly. The worst, the, the the standard of the league is is obviously at at a level where it's quite an even playing field. And mm. um, whether you say, I mean, so I I. I having not played at this level, I wouldn't like to comment whether the league's got better or worse or whatever, but the standard is of a, it's of a, we are of a standard in this league now where everyone is capable of beating everyone and everyone has players who can produce a moment of magic to win a game or to, to nick a point out of nowhere. Um, so it's difficult. It is difficult. I mean, the, the, we've got, we've got a lot of the teams to play who are in and around where we are. So, 
these are the games that are the most important games and we have to be doing everything we can not to drop points initially but to then try and win these games and and that starts again for us on Wednesday with with Sheffield Wednesday away and then Huddersfield away at the weekend so we've got a big week this week um and two chances like everybody else to pick up some some points and and I hope to I, I hope we can because we really need to and we really need to cement our our position in this league as soon as possible it's always cool for for us and for the listeners to get a perspective uh, of a of a player or a manager whoever we're talking to about teams they've come up against who have given them a really good go. I know you haven't played in every game this season. Is there a game that sticks out where you came up against a team who were just just too good on the day? Anyone that stands out as being for you the the best team in the division? For me, it, it's Brentford. I haven't played. I didn't play against Leeds or West Brom uh, either time. Um, so. I, I wouldn't be able to pass judgment on those two teams. Um, but Brentford came to us uh, in the, the summer at the start of the season. We beat them 1-0. Somehow, I couldn't tell you how. We had one shot on target. I think we had 22% possession. Slim pickings now, on top. That that's a serious battering, if you ask me. But we managed to win the game 1-0. Um so for them, uh, for, for me, I think they are the best team that I've played against this season. But every single week is a hard game. Um, we went to Stoke and Stoke did a job on us. Uh, Blackburn came to us and they did a job on us. Mm. Um, we played Luton and beat Luton. Um, it's every single week. It's a it's a completely different challenge. And, and like you say, the, the, there are individuals in every single team who've got the capabilities of... of of producing something from nothing. In terms of uh, individual players, any centre-backs, I know that you're, you're very confident, you always back yourself, but centre-backs you've come up against this season and not really been able to get any change from? Um, Janssen at Brentford is a, is a horrible one to deal with. Um, he's, he's, he's a hard, hard centre-half to play against. Um, there's been a few others. Um, Danny Bart at Stoke, he was he was very good when we played him uh, two weeks ago. I think it was. Yeah. Um, the the lad Lenehan at Blackburn. He he was very good when we played against them last week. Mm. Um, even even I mean I say even loot on the bottom of the table, but the two centre halves on on Saturday it was a tough game. Yeah. So for me, it, no one is easy to play against. Every everyone has their has their um, their strong points and their weaknesses. Um, I love playing against these players because at the end of the day, it's a battle. It's a, it's a scrap who can get the best of who. And that's why we do this job. Um, but I, there's not an easy game. There, there are some that are harder than others, but there is no, there's no such thing as an easy game at, at this level. Uh, obviously, uh, survival, the, the key, the, the only objective, I suppose, uh, with 10, 12 games to go. Uh, any personal goals that you've got for the rest of the season and, and heading into the summer? You've been uh, blessed or perhaps not with being subject of a lot of transfer speculation over the last 12 months. Uh, what are your plans for the next few months of the season and beyond? Um, I've just got to score as many goals as I can to, to help the team stay in the league. Um that's the that's the only goal at the moment. Um, if that means I scored ten goals in the next however many games, 
and we stayed up, then brilliant. If if I didn't score again and we stayed up, then that's the objective. It's just to stay in this league. So my job is to do all I can for to help my team um, stay at the level we're playing at. Um, outside of that, we will see what happens with the rest of it. Um, as as it stands, there there's there's nothing happening in terms of contract talks or anything like that. Um, so it, it simply concentrate on doing my job, and and there, there's nothing else to distract me at this point. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lyle. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Cheers. As you know, we are sponsored by The Athletic. The Athletic, a football writing website that also has a whole host of podcasts, one of which, the Going Up, Going Down podcast, is hosted by ourselves. You can listen to that every Thursday. We ask you to subscribe to the Going Up, Going Down pod on your preferred podcast platform. It is free on all platforms, ad-free on the Athletic site. But it's not just about the pods for the Athletic. Uh, On the site today, Monday, as we record, we've got a brilliant breakdown by Nancy Frostick, who covers Sheffield Wednesday on positive passes and a heavyweight strike pairing, how Wednesday can stop the rot. You've got Phil Hayes' Leeds mailbag touching on all sorts of different topics. A brilliant piece by Steve Maidley about Jake Livermore, who has been really impressive in the last few weeks for West Brom and who will need to be even more so now that Romain Sawyers is suspended for a few weeks. And also, if you want something less team-specific, there's a fascinating piece by Simon Hughes on the chasm that has grown between the Championship and League One. If you'd like to check out The Athletic and give it a go, you can get a seven-day free trial and then 50% off your annual subscription if you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash NTT20. Give it a go today and see what you think. Right, next up on the NTT20 EFL player takeover is... Dan Barlasser. And for the first time today, we've got someone who sits at the top of an EFL division. Dan in central midfield for a Rotherham side who have won nine of their last 11, sitting pretty at the top of the table. Pretty at the top of the table, Dan. But Jesus, this division at the moment, eh? It's not comfortable, is it? It's not um, covering anymore. We are second in the table, so... It's a massive game, but even from the playoff spots upwards, it's very tight, so we're going to have to keep the form up until the end of the season if we want to go automatically. What do you think has been the key on this run at the moment? As I said, nine wins in 11. What What is currently making this Rotherham side so good? Personally, I think it's everyone is a squad, even the people who aren't playing, everyone's pulling together. No one's really going in a mood if they're not, play, not playing, everyone's sticking together, training well, and I think... The games we haven't played well in, we've managed to win or draw, which is a really good thing, especially when you're top of the league. What is it about the the style of play, the way that Paul Warren sets you guys up? Why is that getting the absolute most out of you all? Well, teams obviously think we're just a long ball team, but actually not. We've got quite a few good technical players. Obviously, we're a physical team as well, and we can score off a lot of set pieces, so... I think we're the top top of the league for crosses and set pieces, so um, that's one of the reasons why we're where we are. I mean, you've scored, I think it's twice as many goals from 
set pieces as anyone else in the division. When you get a corner, when you get a free kick in a good position, and most of the time I think it's you taking them. I mean, it, it sounds a bit ridiculous to say, but there, there must be a serious excitement because you know the threat that you guys have. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've got 12 physical players, but we've, the good thing is we've got players who want to attack the ball. I think that's the main thing because obviously other teams might think, oh, we've got a corner, we might get a goal. But every time we get a set piece or a corner, we're thinking it's an opportunity to score. And especially with the players we've got who can score goals with their head, it's always a big opportunity for us. How do you find playing in the centre of a park in a, a 4-4-2? A lot of teams in the league who'll play a three-man midfield. In Coventry's case, sometimes it's a four-man midfield. Uh, you've got a lot of work You've got a lot of work to do in there. Do you think that suits you? Yeah, I'm quite fit anyways. Um, all the lads who play centrally, well, all the lads in the team are very fit. And um, the gaffer drills iron, we're, we're, to be fair, I think we are the fittest team in the league. And that's probably why we're top of the league, because we're, we're press high. We get the ball back early and we put crosses into the box, mm. which is mainly why we score all the goals. And what are your, what would you say, are your sort of key responsibilities in the, in the in the role that you play in midfield? For myself, it's probably just sitting there, and mopping up, playing, getting the ball as quickly as I can to with, with danger men, which is obviously the wide men and the strikers. And um, let's if it's Tree or Wilesy, whoever's playing in front of us, let them bomb on a bit, and I just mop up behind. But I'm comfortable in doing that because I like to spread the blo- uh, spread the ball about. Dan, you're on loan from Newcastle. You've uh, been on loan at Accrington Stanley last season, very briefly with Crewe as well. So you've had John Coleman John Coleman managing you for a season. Now Paul Warren, two managers that we really talk about with a, with a lot of praise. Um, what what have you taken from both of those managers? How have they helped you develop? Well, obviously going into a loan when you're basically a reserve player from a Premier League club, it's, it's quite scary because you're going into men's football really where Three points every week means, especially when you've got people who obviously have houses, kids, paying the mortgage off, stuff like that, it means extra. So going in that environment was obviously very good for us and it's made us become a man really and really, really helped us improve the game. What What about Paul Warren? He, he gives a, a brilliant interview uh, whenever he's asked to and he seems to have some some slightly di- like different motivational techniques and different things that he asks of his players sometimes off the pitch but all with the idea of building a, a squad character that Rotherham have had for the last few seasons under him e- even when they suffered relegation last season Yeah, um, obviously especially when I went he always wants people that are good people first uh, doesn't matter how good a player you are if you're not a good person he's not going to have you I think that's why it's it's good at Robson because we don't really have anyone who's, you know, like big time or thinks we're better than anybody else. We just all get on the jo- with the job the gaffer tells what we're doing. We try and do it with the best of our ability. And obviously it's been working throughout the season because we are top of the league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you are top of the league. Level on points with Coventry, who you play uh, on Tuesday night. That is a hell of a fixture. But there's also quite a few teams not too far away as well. I think there's just nine points between the top nine, ten points between the top ten, so still all to play for. In terms of some of the other teams uh, towards the top end of the table, you would have played against most of them, I think, although you've had a few games out injured. Uh, who would you say you're most concerned about in terms of the other contenders? Personally, I'm not concerned about anybody. I think they've got to be concerned about us uh, because we're top of the league and obviously you've got to be thinking we've been top of the league for a couple of weeks now. Mm. And um, I just think the way we play, 
in the way, like you said before, with you know, set pieces, teams don't like it. And it's, it's obviously hard, hard to train all week, thinking off set pieces or what can you do off set pieces. So, obviously, this Tuesday is a massive game, but we're going in in the game one and three points, that's all. And any uh, opposition midfielders that you've come up against who have given you a really tough time, either with their technical ability or just, you know, getting tight to you, making it difficult for you to play? Is there anyone you've found hard to play against? I respect all the midfielders in this league because it's a, it's a very tough league and it's a very intense league with the, the pressure players put on you. Not only midfielders, everyone around the pitch, all opposite players try and press you, but... Um, Obviously, Coventry we've got two good players. Of um, Liam Walsh is a very good player, technical player. Who I really like. Mm. And um, when I played at Oxford, I like their two centre midfielders as well. But uh, we came out victorious then, so <laughs> it wasn't a bad dig the office. Uh, yeah, not bad at all, uh, Dan. Uh, just uh, I'm sure you wouldn't blow your own trumpet, but uh, my co-host George, we were talking about Rotherham on Sky the other day. He pointed out that the 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 record that. Rotherham have when you've been in the team this season and when you've been missing uh, there's there's a big difference they've struggled without you does it feel quite good to be such a key part of this side definitely obviously the start of the season as well um, we had a quite a lot of new players including myself and the guy I tried a couple of formations to be fair when they're 4-3-3 four, three, three and a 3 at the back as well and it works sometimes it didn't work but when we went to 4-4-2 four, four, that's when everyone kind of clicked and we've, we've kept it kept it the same ever since but that's that's obviously really good for myself but um yeah if the team is winning that's all I'm that's all I'm bothered about really the team winning us getting up so was there there was a moment where you've played the, the new shape the 442 having tried a couple of others and was it a kind of light bulb moment where where everyone was like yes this is this is the one this is what's going to work yeah um not just saying this is going to work especially when we had um Chio come back fit, we had Hacks come in, we've got Josh in now, we've got really, really fast wingers. Mm. And the way the gaffer wants to play, having fast wingers, especially for myself, who likes to pick the ball up and pick passes out, I don't really have to think where I'm putting the ball other than <laughs> in behind in space. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's working quite well at the minute and long may it continue. Yeah, happy days. How, do you, how are you coping with the, the physical aspect of the division? Sometimes it can be hard for, for young players. Uh, obviously, this is your second full season now. Are you getting to grips with it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think me physically as well, I've come on quite well. Um, the sports science team at Rotherham have been excellent with us, with the gym programmes, etc. And I've, I've really, really um, been impressed with me shape and me physical. I do it's getting better. So, obviously, hopefully it can get better. But, um, yeah. <laughs> What what are your personal goals? Uh, clearly, for the team, you're very single-minded as a group in terms of, of getting promotion and you continuing to be a big part of that. Um, you are on loan from Newcastle. Have you thought about this, the summer yet, your return there and what your objectives are when you get back? Is it to stay with Newcastle or, or to look for opportunities elsewhere? Uh, I haven't really thought about that. The first thing's obviously, it'll be unbelievable to have a promotion on my CV. I think everyone will agree with that because if you want to go on loan high out or play in the Premier League and having a promotion on your CV, obviously going back in the pre-season, that'll be obviously a good thing to have. But uh, my main goal is to get Rotherham promoted and then I'll think about the summer when it gets there. Fair enough. And, and, and longer term, just in terms of uh, any international football thoughts, you've you represented 
Turkey at youth level and England as well at youth level. I imagine with the form you've been in, there's been at least some uh, at least some inquiries. Do, do you have any strong ideas of, of where you may lean in the future there? Uh, there's another thing I haven't really thought about before. Obviously, when I was 16, 17, 18, it was a brilliant thing. Mm. But when it when it came, obviously, when I was getting me professional and trying to go out on loan and try and break into the first, you know, I didn't really think about that much. But um, I think when you, obviously when you play higher, obviously in the divisions, I think that sorts out for itself, really. Yeah. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But I'm not too too fussed about that at the minute. I'm just more uh, based on my club career and obviously my loan career. Very focused indeed. Well, Dan, thank you so much for giving up uh, some of your Monday afternoon. Really appreciate it. And thanks for joining us. No bother. Thank you very much, man. It's such a pleasure to be joined by Doncaster Rovers captain Ben Whiteman. Ben, thank you for joining us on Not The Top 20 pod. No problem, no problem. Thanks for having me. I feel like you've spent the last few weeks running around in storms and I feel like that's probably not the most fun, especially as a, a ball-playing midfield player. Uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously, obviously the weather's been a little bit difficult over the past past couple of weeks. It feels like it's obviously storm after storm, but yeah, it's the same for both sides and the Gillingham game was, was, was difficult for other reasons, obviously with A getting sent off and, and yeah, we was, we was obviously in control of the match and obviously it made a, it made a massive difference. How do you think you guys are doing so far sometimes been quite hard to to know what to expect from Donny this season um where you're at currently just outside of that big group of clubs that it looks like sort of pushing for playoffs and automatics how do you especially as captains judge your season so far and and why particularly given that you've played some really good stuff at times you're just below that group of clubs rather than within them yes i think you hit the nail on the edge um what you just said Obviously, at times we do play some really good football, and and we're very easy on the eye. But sometimes in games, it's about obviously fine margins. And, and yesterday was another example of that. Um, there was there was nothing in the game, and we've had obviously a few chances. They've not really created much, and they've they've come out with a with the win. So I'd say that's probably been the main the main thing this season. When we've played well, we've put teams to bed quite comfortably. Um, other games with. Um, We've we've done the defensive side of the game really well. Oxford um, swings to mind at home where we did very well off the ball. Obviously, we know they're a possession possession based team, and um, I think just just probably like I said before, it's it's fine margins that have probably cost us. Yeah, I've noticed you you conceded the fewest goals from open play as well this season, Donny. So uh, you know, in that sense, you've got to think we're a solid defensive team. We play some good stuff. It, I can imagine it being a bit of a head scratcher as to as to why maybe you're not so much in the conversation in terms of of the style of play. You've obviously been at, at Donny before Darren Moore arrived. Since he has arrived, that well, it's attractive football, I think generally accepted that the, the sort of style that you play is that something that yeah. you've that you've enjoyed being a part of this season yeah definitely I think obviously the gaffers come in um, at the start of the season and I think as well as obviously his assistant Jamie Smith I think they've been um, fantastic obviously we've, we've lost a, a lot of a lot of good players that season like so obviously John Marquis um, Tommy Rowe here became Malik Wilkes obviously they spring to mind straight away um, and obviously the gaffers had to come in and sort of do a little bit of a rebuild and obviously the lads that he's brought in have, have are obviously very very young some it's some it's the first loan so i think we're doing really well with with, with the squad that we've got it's just the fine margins that are probably are probably costing us um at the minute which which obviously you can sort of expect with with how young the squad is um i think we've only got three players over the age of 30. one of them being cops of course mr yeah Coppinger. yeah 
yeah, one being obviously the the main man. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's probably five margins away from being a little bit closer to to the, to the, the group chasing six spot. Yeah, still plenty of games to go. Just in terms of of your own role, I guess, and increased responsibility. Not not just getting the captain's armband this season, but in terms of of basically players in the league. You probably have the ball more than anyone else uh, in League One. You've made the most passes out of anyone in the division. Just a, a big responsibility that the whole team at times sort of flows through you. Is that something that you've taken on with relish? What have you had to to improve on? What have you had to sort of think about more with, with that increased responsibility, the role that you've got as sort of, yeah, first point of contact, I guess, for, for Doncaster's attack? Uh, yeah, Ray, um, I enjoy it a lot. Um, obviously, last season I played a little bit deep under Grant, where I was um, obviously I was the anchor. I was probably the number four. Uh, whereas this season, obviously Ben Chief's come in, and and if it's not been Ben Chief, it's been Magic Magic Gomez. Uh, but yeah, I want to go into games. I want to get on the ball as much as I can and try and make stuff happen for the team and create chances and score goals. Feels like you've you've really got license both to play killer passes, but also to to shoot. I notice. I think I think yeah. you've also had the most shots from range from outside the box this season in the league as well. Potentially, I've saw that stat before, and obviously I've only scored five goals, so um, I, I need to I need to improve on that. But I need to improve on the all, the all all round in my game. And I was the number four last season, whereas this season, obviously, I've got a, a midfield partner next to me in in Ben Sheaf, who who we, we work together really well. If Sheafy goes, and I save. And then vice versa, really. Mm. Uh, I'm keen to to pick your brains, if you don't mind, about some of the other teams uh, in the division. Uh, certainly at, at the top end uh, of the table, is probably more exciting. It doesn't look like there's going to be much of a relegation battle in League One. Um, but you can't say the same about the top because, I mean, it's so hard to call at the moment. Just out of that, the, the group of teams at the top, you've got Rotherham, Coventry, Wickham, Sunderland, Peterborough, Fleetwood... Pompey, Ipswich, possibly Oxford as well. Uh, what are the teams that you've played against this season and and thought that is a that is a serious side? They've given us a, a proper going over there. Probably the two that spring to mind would be Coventry. I thought Coventry were excellent um, in terms of on the ball. They're very very brave and they've got a lot of progressive passers who, who like to take the ball in tight spaces. And as I said, Oxford, like I said before, when they come to um, the keep mode, it was it was it was tough. We didn't really see a lot of the ball and. They moved the ball around really well. Obviously, they've lost two key players in, in Baptiste and Fossu, which is obviously affecting them at the minute. But yeah, I'd have said them two really, really stand out for me. Um, we played we've, we've played Rotherham, we played Ipswich. We probably should have beat Ipswich at their place. Obviously, we beat Rotherham and we beat Peterborough twice. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say it'd be them two that, that, that stand out really. And in terms of any individuals you've come up against, League One this season feels like there are... A, some really interesting teams, uh, but also some really, really strong individual players. And especially in, in your position in central midfield, you must have had some some decent battles this season. A- anyone that you've come up against and just gone, yeah, that, that was a serious battle. I'd have probably, like I said before, um, obviously Oxford and Coventry spring to mind. Um, Baptiste obviously got his move. I thought he was was excellent uh, when, when he came to the chemo and obviously deserved his move to Brentford. To be fair, Coventry's midfielder are really good as well. So they've got the likes of Kelly, Walsh, Shipley, Westbrook as well. So they managed to get about four centre mids into their team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play a box, so um, so they can all take the ball in tight spaces and and, and work off work off each other really. But um, we try and do the same. I know it's I know it sounds stupid, but we try and receive the ball in tight spaces. That's our that's our style of play. And and yeah, when other teams do it to you, you can you can see why it's so effective um, because. 
it, it saps the legs and they move the ball around really well. So um, just one lapse of concentration, it can cost you really. I'm interested, you pointed at, at Coventry, at Oxford, teams that kind of fit almost the style that, that Donny play, the style that, that you yourself uh, play in many ways. Uh, just on some of the other teams that play different styles, you know, the league leaders, Rotherham, as we record, yeah. got Wickham in third, Sunderland, I suppose, as well in fourth. Do you look at those teams and recognise traits that they have that you can see why they're picking up points to, to a greater extent than, you know, Oxford, for example, are a great footballing side, but they're only in ninth. Can, can you analyse those teams and, and see something maybe something intangible something a bit different or does it come down to consistency d- defence any ideas the, the main word is consistency in, in what they do I think the names that you've just uh, mentioned there they're obviously um, percentage teams uh, and they get the ball in the box and and yeah they're very strong defensively so um, you can see why the likes of Rotherham are up there with, with, with the style that they play and um, they get crossed into the box they've got obviously two big lads up there that um can put the ball in the back of the net and, and yeah, they're very sound defensive so you can see why they're up there. And last but not least, you were subject to quite a lot of transfer speculation last summer. Uh, you signed a new contract with Donny. You've obviously taken the armband and increased responsibility in terms of role that we discussed. Um, I also know that, that you're, you're aware of our acquaintance uh, Blades Analytic and he's been yeah, tweet, yeah. tweeting you all the charts that, that show you you know very much top of the pile in League One in terms of progressive passing and I'm sure you know that those are the sorts of things that, that teams are after. Are you sort of bracing yourself for a similar summer in terms of a, a lot of speculation about your future? Um, I'm not too sure really obviously this season um, my full focus is on Doncaster Rovers obviously until until the end of the season um, and then and yeah just got to see where see where that takes me and you know, obviously I signed a new contract um, not too long ago so um, I've got to respect that as well and I'm, listen I'm, I'm really enjoying my time at Doncaster Rovers I love the lads there and, and the fans and, and the staff have been different class to me since since I was there for since I got there three years ago so it's it's going to be one of them where my full my full concentration is on is on Doncaster Rovers um, until the summer. Really. Okay, perfect. Well, Ben, we've enjoyed watching you and your team as well this season. Wishing you all the best of luck for the for the last few months of the season. Hopefully, we we might be able to catch up again soon. Thank you. Cheers. Now, regular listeners to the podcast know that. This season, one specific League Two team has really captured my imagination. Port Vale uh, Football Club, just a great atmosphere around the place. And in recent weeks, uh, a fantastic run of form as well. So to be joined by Vale captain Leon Legg is an absolute treat. Good afternoon, Leon. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Leon, four wins and two draws in the last six games for Vale and some really tough opponents as well. Uh, Saw you move into the playoff places, which for, for many had come slightly under the radar. Now a two-all draw against Walsall on the weekend and you've just popped out of those places again. Um, what's working this season for this squad, for this team, and specifically in the last month or two? What, what's been the what's been the key ingredient for Vale? Um, I mean, this this season we've we've all stuck together and um, a lot of the, the core side from of last season is still, still here and... Um, We've we've we managed to put a, a lot of big teams under pressure and cause a real real uh, upset this season against some top teams and we've we've seen some of our results lately and uh, it, it's pushed us into a really really good position. 
Is that down to the way that the manager has, has set the team up to get the absolute maximum and, as you say, make it difficult, especially for some of the top teams? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when he came in last season, that, that's what um, he, he tried to install into us and that's what uh, got us out of trouble in the end. And he's managed to um, get that into the new lads uh, for this season and this has put us where we are. And we um, last last year, we, we didn't have the best of home records, but this year, it's... Um, it's, it's, I think we've lost one once all season at home. Yeah, it's been really clear and really perceptible, just such a good atmosphere around the place. Um, I, I imagine in some way linked to the change of ownership in the summer and the, the life that the new owners have, have breathed into the club. And, and it's easy to pick up on that good energy. Has that been a real key factor for, for you guys this season? What, what's it been like under the new ownership? What have they done to help change the atmosphere? Because as you say, it's largely the same core of players as last season and the same manager as well. Yeah, I mean, last year there was a lot of talks with the last owner saying that he was going to put the club into liquidation and things like that. And um, there was protests outside of the games um, and things like that. So it was a lot, real, real negative when, when we were playing at home. So that didn't help us uh, on the pitch. But this year, uh, Carol and Kevin, who have come in and have taken over, have made a lot of changes and uh, been re really positive and trying to get a real positive um, atmosphere around around the, the ground and I mean you can see it, it's no coincidence that this season our home home record is one of the best in the league and I think um, long may it continue and uh, hopefully we can end the season on the high. Yeah Liam when when you charge into the playoffs on the back of the run like you had you, you then kind of get a sense of pressure I imagine because You've sort of slipped under the radar, but then once you're in the playoffs, there's no hiding it, and you become the hunted rather than the hunters. Uh, what what's that like? Is there a as a as a player? Do you do you sense that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose only till recently, uh, teams have really well, the leagues really started take notice of us. And to be honest, I I don't think many people would really at the start of the season were really saying that we would have been up here uh, this time uh, this season. So. Um, uh, our objective was really just to to have a steady season, but this this season it's it's been a complete um, change of mentality. We we've literally gone with that no fear approach really, and it, the the pressure has been on on the opposition team, I suppose, really, and we've just sort of grasped that. And uh, like I said earlier, we we've managed to beat a lot of good teams in this league and taken this league by uh, by surprise. And it feels like a team that. You are obviously a key part of as captain and the leader of the side in that sense, but also you've played every minute in the league this season, at the joint top-scoring centre-back in the league. It looks like you're having a really thriving this season. Yeah, um, there was a period where um, I was having a few chances uh, at goal, but not quite getting them in. My, my uh, centre-half partner, I think he's, he's got he's four, four as well. four as well, Nathan, yeah. Yeah, he, he was a good few ahead of me. I thought I'd... You know, I had to try and catch him up at some point, uh, and I've managed to do that. And uh, it's what the, the the gaffer and the assistant manager have asked to, to to get out of me a few more goals, and that's what I've been been trying to do lately. And it's, 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 it's hopefully get a few more at the end of the season. Right. It can make a huge difference to the team as well, especially in a league which is so tight with so many tight games that are on a, a knife edge. Uh, just in terms of the league in general, uh, it'd be cool to get 
some thoughts on some of the teams that you've played against because certainly at the top of League Two at the moment, and must stress there's still 10, 12 games to go, there is a group of four teams going, it looks like, for those three automatic promotion spots. So Swindon, Crew, Alex, uh, Exeter and Plymouth Argyle. Which of those teams have, have you guys had the toughest time against? Um, Swindon at their place was a tough, tough game. I don't think we turned up though, but they they are one of the better sides, and they got some good goal scorers, obviously in Doyle and Yates. And uh, what yeah, is it I about mean, what is it about their their general play that makes it so tough to come up against they, them? They just have a very good understanding. They they from from front to back, they just a well oiled machine, really, I suppose, and. Yeah, I mean, we we managed to get a good result at our place, but at their place they were uh, a lot better, I suppose. Um, we've already played Crew this year, and obviously there's a bit of a rivalry between um, <laughs> us and them. So when we play them in a few weeks' time, we obviously want to do do the double over them this season. So, um, but yeah, this league's quite funny because each each week you see uh, a shock result and. It's almost like anyone can beat anyone in this league, so it's um, it's going to be a tough sort of run into the end of the season because th- there could be a few people, a few teams dropping out and a few teams sneaking in. And in terms of uh, those that you come up against, the strikers in the division, you've obviously you've just referenced Swindon's front men Doyle and Yates, who have got twenty six league goals between them. Uh, there aren't too many other like properly prolific goal scorers uh, in League Two this season. Uh, who springs to mind if I asked you who's given you the the sort of the toughest ninety minutes this season? <laughs> it looks it looked like um, Adebayo at Walsall was was a bit of a handful on the weekend. He's he's a little bit of a handful, yeah. He's um he's, he's an awkward type of striker. He's reminds me a bit like uh, if you watch Tammy Abraham, he's that sort of stature really, where he's uh, quite quite gangly in a sense but uh, it gets in and around the box and tough to get around uh, and, and, and makes his presence known so yeah he, he had a good game against us uh, unfortunately for us but um, yeah he, he, I'd definitely say uh, on on his day he can be a very good player Anyone else in League 2 that, that springs to mind? Um, see when we played when we played Swindon at their place uh, at our place even so I say uh, I thought we felt we kept Doyle quiet so um we actually ended his run of um, consecutive goal scoring. So uh, I, <laughs> I would say, but that's, I've only played against him once. So yeah, um, but at the moment, I suppose, I'd, I'd have to say Adebayo, um he, he did have a, a good game against. So and in in all comps, you'd probably add Sergio Aguero into that conversation as well. <laughs> uh, this season, definitely Aguero. Um, he was on another level. Um, you literally had to be aware every single movie made you just couldn't switch off and uh, real test for us and I, f- I think we I thought we actually done really well against them yeah absolutely uh, amazing moment when Tom Pope scored in that game of course as well um, and, and Leon uh, we've been following each other on social media for the last few months and something caught my eye uh, that I didn't know about beforehand <laughs> it's a blog that you set up called Epilepsy Baller uh, can you yeah. tell me a bit about that and, and your experience with epilepsy? So, um, I've had epilepsy now for 18 years. Uh, I, I first had it when I was like 16 years old and my first seizure was where in a training session and the reason behind the, the blog was 
I've been an ambassador for quite a few years now for uh, a charity called Young Epilepsy. And uh, just I just decided one day I was going to try and do a bit more to raise awareness and talk about how I deal with it um, and what I do day to day. And it just literally, literally on a Sunday afternoon decided to set up a blog and get right in and uh, it's been well received so far yeah it's got some it's got some amazing information and some some personal stories as well you have had a, a lot of seizures even throughout your playing career which I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear because it's not something that's spoken about a lot do you think there is a lack of awareness about the condition yeah definitely and, and that, that's my aim is to to get to uh, coaches and teachers and people in the general public to know more about epilepsy because I think uh, nowadays people know people who have epilepsy but if someone was to have a seizure right there and then in front of them I don't think many people would know what to do and that's the aim really to 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 get people to understand a little bit more about epilepsy and what to do in in case of a situation like that but and not just that to also to end the stigma of epilepsy because mm. the, the what most people in the general public do know is with um with epilepsy is just strobe lighting and it, yeah. there's a lot more to it than than that and that's what the blog is about really to to try and get an insight to what uh my type of epilepsy is and uh also because my case is a lot uh different to others as well so there's so many different types of epilepsy so I'll be talking about others as well. So it, it's it literally it's so complex a condition that mm. um, you can't pinpoint it just to this is just this is is so many different uh, parts of epilepsy. Yeah, and and with regard to yourself, I mean, we've spoken about the fact you've played every minute this season. Uh, you've you've had a ten year career in the EFL so far, with plenty more left in the tank, I'm sure. How how do you how do you manage it? What do you need to do in order to to be able to play professional sport? Uh, well, obviously, I'm later in the game. Now. I, I come in at 24, and for me, uh, at my age at the moment, I'm literally making the most of uh, what, what years I've got left, really. So what I, what I do to take care of myself, uh, not just uh, on the pitch, but, but away from the pitch as well, um, I, I try to do a lot, lot more in the gym as well. And that's how I'm really sort of, yeah. sort of playing as, as I am at the moment. Uh, we have to be very I'm, vigilant about health, about what, what you're eating, what you're putting into your body. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and you rest know, as well. Recovery, think, yeah. recovery is massive for me. Um, and if you look at my blog as well, it's uh, that's part of um, some of my epilepsy is just tiredness as well. So my, my rest is very, very um, vital for me. So mm. a Sunday afternoon, if I've had a long like few weeks where it's just been non-stop with football, my Sunday afternoon is literally sitting down and watching Super Sunday, just chilling, really. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for well, telling us a bit about the blog and your condition and also a bit of League Two chat as well. Uh, before you go, confident that Vale will be punching their way back into the playoffs? Not, you know, I, I'm hoping this run isn't going to just be a flash in the pan. I'm hoping to see this sustained for the next 10, 12 games. Yes, hopefully. I mean, we've got 11 games to go and um, we always say, you know, gotta take it game by game. We can't look too far ahead. We literally just have to 
concentrate on the next opponent and um, hopefully we get enough points to be in there for at the end of the season. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on Not The Top 20 pod. Thank you very much. Well, I can't tell you what a pleasure it was to put that together this afternoon to talk to five EFL players from across the three divisions, all of whom have such interesting perspectives, such interesting backgrounds and stories and talk so brilliantly about the game, about other teams in their division, about tactics and managers. And yeah, it's just so cool to get the perspectives of some of the guys that we are talking about each week. So to Jed Wallace, to Lyle Taylor, to Ben Whiteman, to Dan Barlassa and to Leon Legg, a massive thank you, not just for your time this afternoon, but also for really buying into what we were trying to achieve, to try and get Uh, interviews with players that are maybe a little bit normal to usual, maybe asking them to open up a little bit more to give a few more opinions than maybe they're sometimes comfortable doing. And the fact that they all bought into it so well and so much just makes the whole pod worth it and hopefully a good listen. If you have enjoyed listening to this, please do share it. Um, We're so grateful when you do that, but we're also still very much looking for your support as we continue to grow. Um, It's just so awesome, the amount of opportunities that we've been able to have, especially over the last year or two, and it's allowed us to expand our contacts book, and hopefully that has made for an interesting podcast today. Uh, We'll be back again on Thursday with the Going Up, Going Down podcast for The Athletic. Cannot wait for George's hot take. I'm looking forward to my EFL Rewind. Uh, We'll be back again on Friday with a betting show. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And I'm sure George will appreciate all of your well wishes at George Ellick on Twitter as he fights significant man flu.